1: Morning, guys. Hello. Good morning. Welcome to a Merry Christmas Special. It's it is it Christmas special? It's
0: Christmas special.
2: It's Christmas today, and I guess that means it's special.
0: We got Sarah and Jim here today, live. Glenn is on uh, paying He's in purgatory. Human. He's in the live purgatory. He's <laughs> Human in a,
2: version. Yeah.
0: Has a family ga- gathering today. Today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which we had.
2: And mom is taking a nap, which is well deserved today. So
0: she wouldn't come podcast today. Yo, uh welcome back to Ruston, Louisiana. I'll get your name out in a minute. You've been so gone for so long, can't remember your name, Jim. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, you know, we you know, when you were gone and tried to call in, we didn't see you did. We had our one thousand podcast and we were playing a bunch of clips with Big Jim back when it really was the James perspective. There were three Jameses on there. Mm-hmm. And uh there, one of them I listened to was we, we we listened to her play back was talking about the FDA mm-hmm. and, and and Big Jim was going we need an FDA to keep you know people from getting adulterated food and dying from it. And you go, well, you don't have a problem with having a voluntary you, you could get an FDA approval, but why, mm-hmm. why should everybody have to do it? Right,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take that risk. <laughs> I kind of missed that, um, I've been obviously more focused on theology, but I miss talking about economics and how a government should function. That's fun stuff. It's not nearly as high priority for me. But
3: Well, I'm, I'm
0: thinking if you haven't read uh, anything about this uh, new prime minister or president in Argentina. Oh,
2: yeah, he's fine.
0: You need to read about him because he is appears to really be a libertarian. Mm-hmm. Truly one.
1: And... Um, Hopefully not a pinochet esque libertarian, which he would well, nobody would call him libertarian. But why would you not? Are you talking about what?
0: Why would you not call him a libertarian? He's throwing has,
1: people out of helicopters. Well,
0: no, he's throwing communists.
1: Yeah, you don't get to throw communists You're out of
3: helicopters. people. No, no, so people no, too. No, no. <laughs> no. You no, guys no. are so
1: confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let you have this one. We can move on. <laughs> He's not throwing people talking about the Argentina. All right, let
2: me say, yeah.
1: Prime Minister, is that what
2: it is? No, it's a president.
1: President?
0: We're not going to get into this today, but you know that there are are several things, probably as many as believe it as don't, that you can toss your salvation away, that you can waive that right that you have, lose that right. Catholics
2: hold that right. Yeah, we have that.
0: I believe that's sort of how it is with communists. I think that you lose your right to be called human. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maintain is this
1: a- is why you're going to make it you're going to make it because you're going to get a fringe audience and they're going to be loyal they're going to give you a monthly subscription
3: yes uh, that so they're going to
1: hold to this view like yes oh, by you. the way i
0: don't know how to do this tactfully but let's just say that <laughs> For the last week, my stomach has been upset.
3: Okay. Mm.
0: And I'm spending more time in the stalls than I normally do. Okay.
3: Nice.
0: So, yesterday, when we go to our normal breakfast in Arcadia, I spent some time in the stall. And for the first time in a long time, I've read the the, uh, the poop house uh, poets. They've written things on the the walls.
1: Oh, the walls. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We had another word other than Poop House, but that's what they were called. They were <laughs> yes. Poop House poets. I
1: feel like we need to come up with something better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway, one of them said death to all leftists. I did not write that. I saw it, but I did not but write it. But you nodded
1: your head. Yeah, <laughs> you <were> like, <laughs> I really go that
0: got me to read everything else and it wasn't as <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs>
3: that post made me cry. It was so <laughs> beautiful. <laughs>
1: you put an arrow up saying amen. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> the spelling was atrocious.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> and I'm horrible. That's Indeed. not
2: surprising. Yeah, that's not surprising for <laughs> Arcadia.
0: Anyway, no.
1: Um, so he's a president, right?
0: He's the president of Argentina. He took over uh, December the 10th. Okay. And the first thing he did was got rid of two-thirds of the federal bureaus, the bureau, federal departments. You know, like if we have a department of he education. Got rid of two-thirds? Two-thirds of them. Gone. Gone with the wind that swept through Argentina. Good on him. And so there were some other things that they wanted to do. He wanted to deregulate that were things that were ultimately supposed to be protecting the little guy. And he goes, oh, we're going to get rid of them. But first, we're going to get rid of all these other agencies. And so his first act was to get rid of all of
2: those. He had like a, a whiteboard or something like that. And just starts like, so it has like a list of all of the agencies' names on them. And he just starts ripping them off the right whiteboard. <laughs> this, it was like to me, he was no. watching Milton
0: Friedman. Do we need a department of education? No, we don't. Okay, get rid of it.
2: He just like grabs it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, like, yeah. yeah,
1: that famous, um. what's his name? Is it Peter Robertson uh, who does the uncommon knowledge interviews? Uh, I forget what his name is. Anyway, he was talking to Milton Friedman that one day and he went through. He said, okay, I'm going to give you a list of all of the departments that we have. And you just name whether we abolish or keep. And all except for the Defense Department was abolish, 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 <laughs> Who abolish, did that? abolish, Milton Friedman. Yeah, okay, that's <laughs> was it, just, yeah, yeah, was it was saying, Friedman. Abolish, yeah. Abolish, abolish, abolish. I mean, he and kept the Department of Defense. Department of Defense, he kept. <laughs> <laughs> he said, keep.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's what this guy did. So mm-hmm. I thought it would be fun for you maybe to look at that and we could could uh, have a conversation about that guy if you if you thought it would be yeah fun. we could
1: do that this week Sarah can educate me on him because she told me about him yeah as well. I happened
2: to point him. And you
0: see we got Georgiana in in um in Italy Italy and I guess I've said Steve argues with me because he says Zenobia would come before Georgiana but I think that Georgiana is probably the, the most beautiful. World leader since Cleopatra, and he says no, he's Zenobia.
1: And Cleopatra was incest.
2: She was, yeah, she was a result of inbreeding heavy.
0: Well, apparently, inbreeding. Apparently was a, that, was, that was what they did back
1: in that day, and
0: apparently it was successful because all the men agreed she was pretty. Now, I've never seen a
1: photograph of it Well, that. that's uh, like I plan on writing a book <laughs> about this. I was talking to Sarah, Doc, and Katie uh, the other night that all of history is inbreeding. Yeah, and so just because until recently, and so inbreeding was the norm, and so because people's standards were so out of whack back then, because of their inbreeding, we can't take their word that someone was beautiful as applying to today's standards. Well, I know that
0: that, that Adam and Eve's kids theory was incest as best.
2: <laughs>
1: I don't know if they had another choice. <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> God might have made an exception for a yeah. little while. Uh, there seemed to have been some
1: progressive, like it's called redemptive history for a reason.
2: Yeah. <laughs> there was some cleansing that was going on, a lot of sacrificing of lambs, unblemished. <laughs> <laughs>
1: there was a lot of sacrifice. Yeah, just
2: yeah. a ton. Like, mm-hmm. oh, please, uh, this one.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I can tell you this, listeners. Uh, that it's been fun with Jim going to seminary because he has to write papers, which gives us always something we can talk about. And he he recently wrote one on prophecy and we talked a little bit about this on one of the podcasts that that and maybe it was before the podcast. Sometimes we talk before and we don't get to it on the podcast, but that there's been um I, I I've noticed it. You can maybe say it better than I can, but I've noticed that. The words getting thrown loosely around now and that uh, there is a song that I actually like the words to um, I'm not so crazy about the video but the, the words to it I like and it's, it's really about more about defeating anxiety or, or, or getting anxiety out of your life and quit being fa- afraid of the dark basically you know that you should be living in, without fear basically that type of thing but one of the lines in that is 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 Use each breath to prophesy. Each breath to prophesy. Well, mm-hmm. so when I think about the Bible, those even the prophets didn't prophesy every breath. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that in your paper. In other words, you didn't put it in those words, mm-hmm. but absolutely I think, well, no, no, I'm sure every now and then he says, I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> there was a breath, I'm hungry. Mm-hmm. And so you can't use each breath to prophesy if you're using it. Not old, even the prophets, quote unquote prophets. Type. You are telling the truth yeah. if you say you're hungry though. Mm-hmm. You, if you're not hungry and you say you're hungry, then yeah. I think even that song would say you're not
1: prophesying.
2: Yeah, you can you can tell the truth without being a prophet.
1: Yeah, if well, I say that this is a table, I'm not a prophet.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, it's incredible. That must have been God speaking through him.
1: So, so I thought it I I thought
0: it, it 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 was being thrown around loosely, or the definition had changed, which is what your paper was. And I'll say this that one of my, you know, I, I use it a lot as an example. But the word uh, fantastic is something now people use, for that's great, fantastic. And the the original meaning up until 50, 60 years ago was bad. It was like a fantastic train wreck. Mm -hmm. It was gruesome and just amazing, bigger than you could imagine. It was fantastic. Now you'd be, well, it was a fantastic train wreck, really. What happened? They stayed up on those tracks or what? (laughs) No. You know, <laughs> hurt. Yeah. You know but it, so, so words change. And so the question is, did it change from the Old Testament to the New Testament?
1: Mm-hmm. And should it?
0: And should it? And, you're, and, and you go ahead and you can elaborate if you would like on mm-hmm.
1: that. I would say that because we associate prophecy with the Bible so much that we need to use it the way that the Bible did. And that was the argument of my professor, by the way, and that's who I want to give credit for a lot of. My ideas come from him, and that's Glenn Kreider at Dallas Theological Seminary. He lays this out very well, and I think that because we use prophecy different today than we see it being used in the Bible, it results in a lot of confusion, that whenever people say they prophesy, you're like, oh, really? And, and they're like, but I want it to be clear that I'm not prophesying like the Old Testament prophesies. I'm prophesying by saying a good word about the church or saying a good encouraging Uplifting word to you, or by praising God, they have to give that explanation because they know that it's confusing.
0: What verses do you know that they rely on to, to say, say that?
1: that it changed? Um, yeah, I have, I have it in my paper, but I don't have my laptop in front of me. Um, there is a quote in, uh, in one of the letters to the Corinthians that Paul says that all prophecy is for uh, encouraging and uplifting, something like that. Building up, he says that. And that's a rather short and vague statement for you to argue based on that, that the definition of prophecy changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And also, you see an example in Acts where Paul is being prophesied to by someone, and I really should have his name, but I don't. But he's being prophesied to and being told that if he goes down to Jerusalem, then he'll be seized by the Jews and handed over to the Romans. And Paul says, well, nonetheless, I'm going down there. And so Paul goes down and what happens, he's seized by the Jews and he's handed over to the Romans. And so the author of Acts, who we hold as Luke, is saying that prophecy essentially is the same as the Old Testament, using that example.
2: And I would think that too, with like that that, that definition that uh, St. Paul wrote, um, about prophecies being uplifting or whatever, it's saying all prophecies are this. It's not saying that the definition has just changed, right? And it's not mm-hmm. saying that all like uplifting news is prophecy. It's just saying all prophecy is that,
1: mm-hmm. right? And prophecy is a way of preparing you. Sometimes it doesn't always necessarily mean telling the future. It just means telling you how things are. That's an, that's actually incorrect. <laughs> Let me be more precise. I was looking at this paper while I was trying to talk. Prophecy, to pause is, for a second. prophecy is God speaking through you.
2: Yes. The extraordinary influence of God to make known the divine counsels and will.
1: Mm, that's catechism. That, 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 yes. That's very catechism. <laughs> Deuteronomy is they God explicitly states that they'll be my mouthpiece.
0: Okay, let me go back to Sarah real quick.
1: What
3: which
0: which number of paragraph is that in catechism?
2: I don't know. The, no, I didn't. I, it's not. Oh, really? It's, it's, it's um Catholic definition. It's I want to tell you that's eight. one
0: of my favorite things about the Catholic Church is you can't people can argue all they want to what they say what the Catholics believe. Well, they've written it down and put paragraph numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> you, you can't you can't run run away from what they say. They don't even try. You know, no. it's, so it's, uh,
1: the definition that I have comes from Deuteronomy eighteen eighteen and it's where god says i will put my words in his mouth that's prophet someone who god has put his words into that person's mouth and the best illustration that i could see of this is balaam whenever he prophesies over israel he's supposed to curse israel okay his intentions are entirely his own whenever he's about to speak (laughs) and what comes out is god's blessing over israel
0: (laughs) didn't
1: he made a donkey talk. Yeah. What yeah. did I say? And I would say that that donkey talk, and I'm not necessarily sure that was, that was a, God speaking through the donkey, God opened the donkey's mouth.
2: That was Prophecy of Shrek. <laughs> the <laughs> classic movie that we all there adore. We
0: is that the thing on top of Burger King?
2: No. <laughs> what?
0: There was a big old blow up of something on Burger King.
2: That might have been Shrek. I'm not sure. I wouldn't be surprised. What color is Shrek? Green. Oh,
0: yeah. It was Shrek. Because yeah. we were trying to figure that out the other day.
1: Oh, so it's First Corinthians fourteen three that's frequently cited okay. as far as changing in definition, the prophecy changing in definition, and it's where Paul wrote that all prophecy is for strengthening, encouraging, and comfort, and that's sort of what they go off of to say, well, well that would be what
0: the purpose it, of it. Mm-hmm. What is it? Would be truth. Speak God speaking through you.
1: It would be God speaking through you.
0: Yes. And the purpose of that speaking through you would be those things
1: yes yeah and so even in the old testament whenever you see god's prophecy is if it's telling about the future something that's going to happen that's horrific what he's also doing is telling the israelites how to navigate their way through this like don't flee to egypt let's say you will be cut off and you'll be destroyed if you flee to egypt stay here and you will be able to dwell with the babylonians and i will make you grow and prosper you'll you know, you, you have that, uh, those verses in Jeremiah that are detailing all that. Now, there's some verses that say
0: that, that if I prophesy and I don't have love or something like that, it's worthless, listening that, right?
1: If you're talking about Paul. Yeah. And so Paul's talking about doing everything through love.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the New Testament. So he's saying there, in my opinion, that some type of prophecy is still taking place. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think the prophecy's cut off. No. I think that we. Hmm. I have never experienced it, but I think that prophecy continues today. I think that I'm a continuationist. For prophecy to be prophecy, does it have to be spoken? It's God's words in your mouth, so yes. You could keep your mouth shut. No. You couldn't.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, you you think about what happened. um,
1: The best example that you have of that is Jonah of someone who is able for a time yeah. to resist God's will, but even then he's ultimately compelled to speak God's words. Yep.
2: Even whenever he doesn't want to. Even yeah. whenever
1: he doesn't want to. But you have the other prophets who don't, who aren't given the chance that Jonah got to run away. Like it's like mm-hmm. God allowed Jonah to do that, Jonah's but even funny. then he ultimately.
0: So it'd be a revelation if you don't speak it. Nope. Mm-hmm. I think the prophecy that you're going to speak it. That's what I'm yeah. saying, it's a revelation if you don't speak it. If you don't speak it, it's not a prophecy. Well, I don't you're, think you're that, there's that there's a there's condition. condition. I don't think that there's a condition. I, well, what, what I'm saying seeing. is if I get something in my mind, it's clear. Don't do that. It's clear. I got this. from God, I can feel it. Mm-hmm. If I don't say anything to anybody. And he's Lord, not being required be, to yeah, say it. Yeah, he's not required to say it. I've just, it's been revealed to me. Don't do that. And that happened to me one time. And I didn't do it. And it didn't take long for me to know why. I was told don't do it. Mm-hmm. So, so I would call that a revelation. So anybody tells me that there's no revelation now mm-hmm. of some type of, of straight up talking or some communication with me, I'm going to say well, you've never experienced. it. Sorry,
3: mm-hmm. sorry for you. Mm-hmm.
0: But um, so so prophecy. Right. So so one time I was told by a Baptist preacher, I'm not going to name which one. It's not you're not going to know, so I don't even try. Told me that I had to get the prophecy because I. We were able to tell people what was going to happen to them if they kept doing that. And I'm going uh-huh. like, well, no, that's just common sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're having affairs, it's not really good for your your marriage. You're going to have trouble. Even if you don't get caught.
2: Even if you don't get caught, there's going to be bumps that, yeah, lead to…
0: Yeah, it's bumps and, and it takes penicillin. I would say it. that
1: that's a gift of wisdom, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, you could say that. Yeah. But, yeah, I would agree with you that that's not prophecy. And even prophecy, the definition does not mean fortune-telling. It it frequently has it. But whenever Balaam was... I'm going to be careful about this. I think that I remember this correctly, that whenever Balaam's prophesying over Israel, he's not telling about the future. He's blessing Israel. And so, but he might be telling about the future in those passages. But all I'm saying is that it does not mean that you're always talking about the future whenever you prophesy it just means that you're pretty much throwing up God's words
2: wait isn't like the Jonah thing kind of a a um a representation of that because they they basically God was saying that those people were going to be destroyed or something like that if they continued or something, mm-hmm. yeah. but they were able to fix their ways. Like they, they tore off their clothes and they, uh, I guess repented mm-hmm. in whatever they were doing. And so it wasn't, it wasn't like a moment of this is definitely going to happen. It was just kind of like,
0: well, yeah. you listen now we got, we were here with the Bible scholar
2: uh-huh.
0: and you said, if and I need to know which class condition. If you're discussing here.
3: Oh,
1: I'm not there yet. <laughs> first, <laughs> first semester Greek. I'm going to emphasize that. Um, no. So the cool thing about Jonah is, yes, it was meant as a way of getting people to get back on track. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a prophecy that was like, you have no choice in the matter, you're going to die. They said you got to turn back. But the cool thing about that story is that whenever Jonah's prophesying, Israel at the time is rebelling against God. And you have the am I saying it right? Ninevites. I know I'm the biblical. I've always heard Ninevites. <laughs> I'm I'm, in, I'm a sem- but again, seminarian, but yeah. Anyway, I always <laughs> said refugium
0: since <says> refugium.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway, he goes and he doesn't want to preach to them because he thinks that they're not worthy.
3: Yeah. <laughs> okay,
1: but the Israelites here at the time are the ones who are rebelling. He decides that he's not going to go. God makes him go by, you know, the whole story that we know, and uh. Jonah goes over there and the people do what God wants Israel to do. And the people there tear their clothes and present themselves in humility to God and say, we're going to turn back to you and God saves them.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: this is what God could be doing to the Israelites. But the Israelites won't do who what the people who Jonah thought were unworthy did. And so it's a really cool story if you think about the irony that's being told in here. It's like there are a lot of things that are happening that shouldn't be happening, like a prophet rebelling against God. That's something that never happens. Mm-hmm. And so you have this scene, you have the scenario where for a time, God's saying, oh, yeah, no, you can run away from me. But you're ultimately going to be forced you're to tell this it. message. Yeah,
3: it's going to happen. But this is mm-hmm. what's
1: going to happen to you if you don't tell this message. You're going to. Well, that's just straight up sanctification.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're saved and God wants you to do A. And you go, well, you know, really, God, I know what you're thinking, but I've seen some things. And really need to do b mm-hmm. well, it gets uh, it gets painful until you go back to doing A. I mean, that's just
1: every mm-hmm. single time
2: it's yeah. funny because he he was just so like grumpy about it.
1: Mm-hmm. he was grumpy at the end too it doesn't end yeah, happily. No, <laughs> he's mad that God saved the Ninevites.
2: God like sends him a little plant to grow over him so he could take a little nap or whatever mm-hmm. and then like he's still grumpy. so
1: I would be mad if you saved the Democrats.
2: That's yeah, a good would. point. That's you would, it. You would
1: be mad if Joe Biden was like, tomorrow, hey, I'm no. actually free market. You
0: know what? I wouldn't. And I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Because I truly believe, and I won't say this, and I, I kid a lot, I truly believe the Catholics have got it right. I believe communism is demonic. I believe it's of the devil. I believe that that's exactly what it is. So if he were to turn and change, then he would be leaving a demonic thought, and I would be celebrating. Mm-hmm. I would be. In fact, that guy that Fetterman or whatever his name is from Pennsylvania lately has been talking like a conservative. I don't know if that's so he can get reelected or what. But if the stroke caused him to give up <laughs> communism and become righteous and believe in free enterprise, I would be all celebrating. You know what I'm yep. saying? He'd have to vote that way a few times.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to <laughs> you like can't yeah, just can say it. Driving, you know yeah. what I'm saying?
0: But I really believe that. I think Catholics have got that right. I think the Catholics are right that it's a mortal sin. And I know you, you can't say that probably, but I can. I I, I, I really can't say what. That the communism is is de- demonic. I believe it really is. Hmm. I really truly believe I mean, that it's, a, that it's straight, from, straight, straight from bits of hell.
1: Hmm. So this would be one of those areas where I would have to see what your definition of demonic is. Like, when does something... Cross into demonic territory, and on what basis do you have for that definition of demonic?
0: When you when you forsake truth, you open yourself to demonic influence. If you stay there, you and you're not saved. You open yourself to demonic demonic indwelling. How far does each person go? I don't know, but it's like fiddle at fooling around with a Ouija board. You shouldn't be there.
1: Right. Yes. No. I agree with that. But it, that could be said of any sin that you're in. What what differentiates communism from, let's just say, someone who is indulging in porn? The number of people it kills.
2: Well, and I would say, I would say too, the like what it, the thought process that goes along with it. Like I would say that communism um, generally le- leads it's uh, it, it, it leans towards we as humans know better than like God, and like in a weird way, but it's just like we can straighten this out. Um, we have like, more ability to straighten it out than some kind of, like, higher power, like, trusting all of that. Because, like, I feel like that's the reason why most of them, like, they aren't Christian. Um, like, those... There,
1: there's It is true that most of them are not Christian. Mm-hmm. It's but incompatible. That comes from, it's it's yes. incompatible. Well, um, like, I believe that. I don't have a defense of that at this point, but I would say that the reason that a lot of them are not atheists is because the founder of Marxism, or at least the one who popularized it, was the one who gave that whole. Uh, it's the, what do you call it? The opioid of the masses religion. He said religion yeah. is the mm-hmm. opioid of the masses. Things, it's the thing that keeps them asleep. Yeah. And so he was obviously anti-religious. And so you're, his followers are going to be anti-religious.
2: Um,
1: but it's, it's not compatible with Christianity. Okay. Not, it's just not. Okay.
2: It's I would say kind of goes along with like it makes me think about postmodernism, where postmodernism I think is a very uh, close um, comparison to the original sin, which is us saying that we know better than God, and um, and so like we're we're basically getting rid of all of these morals and all of these rules that He's put in place, and it's just like anything goes at this point. And so I, I would think that communism is similar to that.
0: Yeah, know, you asked about, I agree with you, by the way. Yeah. I, I like what you said. The, the, you asked about milieu, um, is he as bad as, I mean, you, you made the joke about him and, and Pinochet. And I, I will say the difference is that, first of all, we don't have any proof that Pinochet threw people out of helicopters. That's, that could be just a wives' tale, a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. I was hoping it was true, and I couldn't find any evidence that I it was. I do like that you say fairy
2: tale, because fairy tale is something where it's like, oh yeah, like I wish mm-hmm. this was a thing.
0: Well, I thought, you know, the the, the only two, the only places that I've seen that have overcome and appeared to overcome communism, one of them's already lost it again. Pope Poland had a bad election recently, so communism is rearing its ugly head there again. But but apparently Chile is still able to fight it off. Uh, if medio pulls it off, he'll be he'll be a rare exception. I will tell you this that I didn't I don't know why I didn't think of this, but he just ignores them. He literally just ignores the comments. He doesn't call them names. He doesn't say things to them. He just says, "Nope, we aren't going to have the Argentine dollar anymore, peso, whatever they are, because we can't trust the government to do it. So we're just going to have whatever currency you two agree to." You in a contract, agree to it, and we will enforce it in our courts here. We won't have it anymore. He just ignores them.
2: I think, yeah, like, wait, that's, I think that that kind of helped me understand what I was saying about communism, where you're putting all of your trust in all, like, everything that um, we do goes into a human organization that's supposed to solve all of our problems, and we're supposed to put all of our trust into that.
1: Well, that's a process. It's, that's one of the things that I had to talk about earlier on here was trying to differentiate what the end goal of communism is versus what that middle part is. Transition. Like mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, the transition where you centralize power. I, I I agree with you guys that you'll never get to the end, which is no government. It's a withering away of the state. I think that's the what it was leaves the
0: well, Whether uh, they say it does, it does. Go ahead, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I'm telling you that it's difficult for me – it's more difficult for me to um, argue that the end goal of communism where everybody shares everything is adamantly anti-Christian. Now, like, we don't have a state anymore that's enforcing that, and there's no centralized authority that says we know better than everyone else. They're trying to get it back to where it's, it's still – the individuals determining his or her own fate all right that that is the end goal of communism I mean, you'll never get there mm-hmm. but if, if you're you're not, going, not
0: allowing private property ownership mm-hmm. if i'm understanding communist communism right you can't have private property yeah ownership. You, you, you would not, not you, would, you would
1: not be you would not be allowed to have that because it's theft and so i i understand how absurd that is I would have to think about it a little bit more as far as my defending the case that's adamantly anti-Christian, that end goal is.
2: Well, I think that I think that the problem with it is, okay, you think about what Christianity is, like what we're supposed to be doing as Christians, is giving to each other and taking care of each other, and uh, especially the weak, mm-hmm. right? But it's you have the will to do it. God gave us the free will. Unless to play perfect
0: David. Yeah. That's for you. But, that is a very much, to all of these.
2: yeah, so, so, um, yeah, like you have the free will to do it, but under communism, you don't have that.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
2: And exactly. That's God wants problem. us well, to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, but I, I mean,
0: what well, he's getting mm-hmm. at, let me say, I, I think, I, mm-hmm. I, I think he's expressed he's as good as he ever expressed it is that he's saying in this utopia is that we will want to share.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that, mm-hmm. I think that, um, Yes. But, but, but I How can think, you share
0: something that's not your own? I know.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like, I, I'm,
1: I'm here like because I obviously do not agree with communism. And I don't think that you'll ever reach that end state. I think it's absurd that people think that you can reach that end state. But it is one of those things where I try getting into their shoes. It does hurt my head. I think that's a false utopia. Does that mean that's anti-Christian? Like, yeah, I, I, all non-truths are anti-Christian in a sense, but just because it's that, like we all believe something that's not true. And so all of us are anti-Christian in some sense, if we hold to that standard, I would I, think.
0: I'm going blank. What's mm-hmm. the word when he, God gives you something, you're supposed to take care of it. and uh, Stewardship. Stewardship. I don't think you can have stewardship unless mm-hmm. he gives it to you.
1: Yeah, we went through that a little bit. <laughs> um, we did, Didn't we talk about that before I left, as far as Christianity Um, supporting the concept of private property. And you even see that in the Old Testament where it's it's not a right. It's not a right in the Old Testament stewardship. And that you're not to give away your possessions permanently. It's not for your sake. It's for the people who come after you. It's like letting people go at the stop sign when you're not supposed to. It's the people behind you. You're screwing. Uh, (laughs) Exactly. And I know that we're talking about dispensations here. Go ahead. No,
2: I would would say that's a very interesting concept, though, is like whenever you talk about biblical, you don't want to screw the people that are going to get the property behind you. Well, that's why they don't like private property that they get um, people against it say, oh, we're just being handed down this property that wasn't yours. And Mm -hmm. so that's an interesting Um, like juxtaposition of like how you how you Mm -hmm. view
1: well it's one of those things that i find rather interesting that people argue as far as wanting inheritance inheritance to be dispensed with that everybody starts with an equal share because that's equity well what about the people who have severe disabilities like they start with an equal share that i start with they have no chance at inheritance like if someone who's extremely wealthy that has a child with a disability, they're not allowed to do anything to give them anything in mm-hmm. their inheritance to help them with the that disability. Help? Like that's the thing that I have a problem with. Because it's because Like inheritance is not is not inherently uh, unequal or in what what the other <laughs> word would be inequitable. Equity. <laughs> it's not
2: necessarily yeah, harmful. Yeah, and yeah, equity.
3: So,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not necessarily harmful as far as equity goes. Mm-hmm. In fact, it. it in a lot of cases, it will help people who would otherwise be worse off if we had a truly uh, equitable society.
0: All right. So, so going back to prophecy, because we, we've already we we we've, we've tackled the communism thing. Back to prophecy.
2: we haven't because Jim hasn't admitted that it's a grave sin yet. No, I'm, just I'm sorry. Back to prophecy.
1: <laughs> I'm not a Catholic. I don't have to admit that stuff. I admit it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you're readily, <laughs> you're readily all about
3: That's
0: that. That's the
2: one that, yeah, we we can pull them over with that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So so a a prof somebody who speaks. There's a difference between pro, someone who sometimes speaks prophecy and someone and someone who is a prophet. Is there an office of prophecy?
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm not necessarily sure about like the whole office versus just someone being a prophet. Um, I'm sure that there's evidence for it, but. I haven't studied it enough. All I know is that if you're saying that someone is a prophet because they have spoken at one point in time as a prophet, then I'm fine with that. But if you assume that because someone is a prophet, then they always speak God's words, then i say, that's not
0: right. That's silly news. All right, so, but but the, the one thing you know is that if someone says they're, they got a prophecy to tell you, then it better be true.
1: Yes, because that's God speaking and God does not lie.
0: You're going, Jim, I'm a prophet. You're going to meet a tall, dark stranger.
1: I'm very happy I have the contextual situation here. <laughs> 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 or that I have contextual knowledge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, it needs to be specific.
1: Yeah, well, again, if I were dealing with a friend, because I, I went through those different scenarios. They try pushing us to actually apply these to our real lives in seminary. And so they have us make up scenarios as far as someone encountering us with a prophecy. You know, and if it's a friend, then I would have a much more thorough conversation with them about this. Like, you're we're about to cross into a territory that I don't know if we want to cross into, if you're using that word very flippantly. All right. At the same time, I definitely don't want to ignore God's words. But if you have a different definition of prophecy than I do, and I tell you about it, and then you still give me that prophecy anyway, and it does not come true, then our friendship has been permanently altered. Like in the sense that I'm going to have trouble trusting you in the future. And even though I want to rebuild that trust, I believe that trust is not something that you can completely rebuild. And so you have crossed a territory that is. Uh, very uh, dangerous. Yeah, that's that's the way that I would put it.
0: Okay, so then Isaiah predicted that a baby would be born with a Mexican <laughs> name. Emmanuel? Yes. And his no. name ended up being Jesus.
2: But it's still a Mexican name. Jesus.
0: <laughs>
1: Got that part.
0: Okay, so it was just the wrong Mexican name. <laughs>
1: I mean, Jesus is called Emmanuel. I don't know if Isaiah got that wrong. But
2: well, yeah. it's a, it didn't say named Emmanuel. It's going to be called Emmanuel.
1: Right, he said the
0: baby Emmanuel. was going to be born, right? Yep. So, and what it says named Emmanuel or called Emmanuel?
2: Called. Called Emmanuel. By whom? Just it called, doesn't say. Just in general.
1: It's a general, yeah. He's called wonderful. He's called counselor. He's called everything that Isaiah would have us call him.
2: It yeah.
0: says a baby's going to be born called Emmanuel. So everybody's going to expect this baby to be called Emmanuel. And this baby was called
1: Jesus. No, not everybody. No wonder the Jews weren't looking y- for it. Y- y- James would expect that baby to be ma- named Emmanuel mm-hmm. based off that verse. Everybody else is like, "Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. He's Jesus and Emmanuel. Like, that that makes." Sense.
0: I had the thought in high school, and I just held on to it till today.
2: Yeah, oh, I just gonna let it loose. <laughs> well, I'm
0: glad you got it off.
2: He's chest. been he's been doubting Christianity. Or like, no. or not, yeah, Christianity no, a time. Good.
0: I just remember thinking, well, they never called him Emmanuel. They called him Jesus.
2: <laughs> I mean, they didn't call him Emmanuel, but they just named
0: him. <laughs> we name. call him Emmanuel. Well, I mean, we start calling him, as say, hey, see, we call
3: him Emmanuel.
2: So if you asked me who's Emmanuel, Jesus. I would think, oh, that's Jesus. Yeah. I mean, who's Doc? Doc is John.
0: Yeah, but there's no prophecy that his name was going.
2: But, but, but what uh-huh. I'm saying is that you can have two different, like, people can call you two, two different names and both of them be true.
0: I mean, I would say that definitely Isaiah is right. We're calling him Emmanuel because he got called Emmanuel a lot yesterday.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, so, I mean, that part is his like. borderline obnoxious.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah, the amount of Emmanuels man- you got, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I did. I remember thinking, well, that's not his name.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, you can call him what you want. We'll call him Doc. <laughs> I thought his name. His name's John.
2: Yeah. Th- but still called Doc, and that's still true. I
1: know. I'm trying to think of what my response would be if, let's say, I was having an intellectual roundtable discussion about Old Testament prophecies, and someone actually brings this up to the table.
2: Listen, guys, where did this name Jesus come from?
1: <laughs> I nowhere in
3: Isaiah. There.
0: Nowhere. <laughs> is not there. <laughs> in fact, the word search Jesus is not in the Old Testament.
1: <laughs> you gotta say I'm sorry that you're wrestling with that <laughs> well,
0: that's a good high school thought
1: is it, is it I guess sure.
0: so I was afraid to ask my mom before I get spanked yeah yeah
2: that should yeah, I, yeah maybe that you know was it. a
1: plus it, it was a weird way That that is one thing whenever I look back at our uh, upbringing is we were allowed to ask questions about Christianity you mm-hmm. know without having the risk of you know, I'd say it's good question. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you would. Um, And so but and I think that it allowed us to go on our personal journeys that eventually led us all back to.
2: Yeah, I think that's what's wild about it is, Christianity is, I mean, you think about like certain parents are, are very strict in um, putting kids in like their church and whatever else whenever they're growing up. And um, and you weren't like that. Like As far as forcing We talked us, about those things. Yeah, we talked about mm-hmm. it, but you, we weren't forced to believe anything or I guess like mm-hmm. act a certain way as far as religion goes. We were able to figure it out ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have a really good answer as far as upbringing goes, like how you should do it, because Emily was reared in a home where it was pretty adamant like this is the orthodox view of it, this is how we look at things,
3: These and are the Emily's statues never doubted. they were that going
1: it it a
0: little- Piece of of wisdom. Mm -hmm. If you pray for wisdom in rearing your children, it's a hundred percent, one hundred percent. You'll never, you will get it a hundred percent. If you, if you're rearing your child, you say, "I don't know what to do," and you ask for wisdom, and it comes a hundred percent. So it may be that for Emily, she needed to have it. Yeah. Yeah, That's I think why it, yeah. He, yeah, he gave that 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 was the wisdom he got. Mm-hmm. With mine it was go, you got to let these guys
1: run. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, like we have our different uh, personalities. And- I I
1: wonder if it was just an inevitable part of uh, yeah, who we are as far as our personalities go that we were going to run into that I don't know. It wasn't necessarily a season of doubt. I always say this is that even in my darkest moments, I would never ever ever think to say Jesus Christ was not Lord or think to say that i don't know the whole god doesn't exist i would never think to say that all right i always had it in my heart that those two things were true but i simultaneously had serious doubts about these things and I so think that was the
2: same way yeah mm, yeah yeah um like i know that there are many times like a, a good portion of my life i was pulled away from um from christ and, like, he, he was just clearly not part of my life. Um, but even during those times, I knew that I would come back to him. And it's weird.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, just I, I knew that um, he was really there. And it was a truth that I was basically actively ignoring.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Which I'm mean, going to have to answer for. We're just going to suck. That's <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: it is, it is, it is <laughs> interesting to see all of you guys. Going heavily Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's interesting to me. Um, is it Anaxagoras? Is how do you say his name? I'm trying to remember. I, was, I couldn't. But, uh, he was a Greek philosopher. I know you have to learn all that in seminary.
1: <laughs> I haven't learned everything.
0: Well, you don't
2: know all of it <laughs> right now. You can't just tell us.
0: I, I, I think his name's Anaxagoras. He was the one who um, first figured out the eclipse. Okay. In Western civilization, mm-hmm. it's been figured out several times in Mesopotamia, places over the time, but in, in, in Western civilization, he's one figure that out. He said something interesting though that I, I read this morning, because it's only excerpts. You can't, it takes you about 40 minutes to read everything they have on him. Most of what we know about him was written by other people. Mm-hmm. But he said something that that made me ponder for a minute, that when you consider the fact that there's this smallest – you break everything into the smallest pieces, and you ultimately end up with the exact same thing. It's just atoms. Now, he's not the one who figured out there were atoms in space. That's another person. But he did figure that out. He's going like, well, then they you – know, so then, then somebody – something had to have created this. That's what he was thinking. And he was not – he was smart enough he wasn't going with the Zeus and all that stuff. He was mm-hmm. sitting there thinking – um something created this homogeneous homogeneous mm-hmm. matter, and then it comes together and becomes heterogeneous for a while, and then it goes back to being atoms again mm-hmm. and sure that sound like to me he was coming close to thinking there was what God really was mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you yeah. know what I'm saying mm-hmm. I, when I was reading, I couldn't help but think, man, how do you send this guy to hell? You <laughs> know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just was wondering, you know, because he was basically saying something made this, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting because it's, it, it it creates these people and then it creates a brick or it creates a stone and I even mean, if the stone lasts for a long, long time, eventually it's going to be back to nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I just wonder what you guys thought about these guys that were able to think like that. Was that divine inspired? Was that just he just made him smarter than everybody else. Mm-hmm.
1: This is an issue that I am I plan on wrestling with, that I am wrestling with as far as what happens to those people who either were before Christ and did not have knowledge of God as far as Israel goes. But
2: They will receive a they, lighter beating.
1: Yes, they, <laughs> they will receive a lighter beating. That's what mm-hmm. we have yes. in that famous verse of the Tenants. Uh, not the tenants, um, it's the, the servants Servants who are waiting for their master to come back. Mm-hmm. And the ones who are ignorant get lesser beatings than the ones who knew and still were partying.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah so <laughs> no, you just okay. receive lesser beatings, that's
1: yeah. it. He's just stupid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then you also, you know, contrast that with Romans one twenty that says that uh, something along the lines that all creation ha- has made God's hat attributes clear. Like it doesn't say you'll know something about God. It says his attributes are clear in creation. And I'm not necessarily sure what to take from that. I haven't wrestled with it enough or haven't researched and read enough on it. But it's one of those things where I believe that people have a knowledge that God for a time was tolerant of people who were uh, worshiping idols. It says that, that that he sort of, uh, tolerant might not be the word that was used, but It was something similar to that that people before christ who were worshiping idols were with some excuse because they knew about the creation order and things like that that they knew that there was something bigger than they were uh however now that christ came there without excuse completely and so um but romans 120 also says that we typically call it general revelation but I also went through that that maybe those terms are outdated um that the creation itself speaks of god so clearly that people are without excuse even then and so but i don't know what they're without excuse for like are they without excuse for raising an idol up over him and so they're worshiping you know crop idols and things like that or are they without excuse if they reject the concept of god altogether and so i haven't wrestled with it
0: well, i was wrestling with it this morning mm-hmm. with him you know i I know much, nobody knows that much about him. Again, it, most of what we know about him are from playwrights. People who wrote plays. When did he minutes. exist? He would have been 490s. 80 or BC. AD BC.
1: BC? Jeez.
2: I would think that at that point, I mean, like what our stance on it is um, that there, we recognize, and this was, this was because of the uh, founding of the new world. Um, like America's, that we, uh, the Catholics change their stance on uh, salvation outside of the church. And that includes for people who aren't Christians at all. And um, we have some prerequisites for people who don't know anything about Christ. But it's basically your, you are, um, I guess, like based on the knowledge that you have, the, the information that you have access to, um, whether you're, still in a way following christ um despite not having that like specific awareness of it it's kind of weird but it's like um so like i think that we have it's insane that we're built this way and people don't like to recognize that they still like to say it's a oh, it's society that's that's made us this way but you have um certain values inherently within you mm-hmm. and you follow them like i shouldn't murder somebody
3: uh, who's who wrote
0: who was the name guy wrote Anna Karenina?
2: Uh, chi- uh, no, Tolstoy. 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 I was going to say Tocontine. It's like, no, nope, that guy. <laughs> That's whole
0: ballet. Yeah. Um, he, anyway, he wrote Anna Karenina and, and one of the things he said in there was that it, it basically I, I, here's what would happen. There was a, a lightning bolt hit with his wife and child underneath the tree and he prayed. He was an atheist up to that point. He prayed. And so I got to thinking about that. It's true. It's our instinct to pray. So Now, I I read that probably first time 15 years ago, and that's one of those books I'll periodically read, because it's maybe the last good novel written, Gone with the Wind maybe, epic novel anyway. Anyway, I've been looking, and if I read history, I want to see if anybody has ever had a society or civilization that didn't pray, that wrote stuff down. It's not fair if they didn't write it down, so if you say, oh, well, I found this tribe out... africa and they don't pray well that doesn't help me any because you could be lying Mm -hmm. i need i need it where it's written down it's it's written down history did you pray in every society that recorded their history has prayed. that's in us we've had like we've had this Mm -hmm.
2: yeah i mean there was a really interesting story of a um
0: now there could be a black swan let me just say that there could be one out there but i'm actively looking we haven't found it You know how much i read history I'm actively looking for that for that civilization that didn't pray.
2: There was a a woman she was caught up in witchcraft, Um, and it's interesting. I love listening to people who who converted from witchcraft because they believe in demons. They're like, this is a lot more real than a lot of people think. Like you think that you're just like la 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 going around the world, Um, and there's no no fear of that kind of darkness. But uh, it's it's. Very prominent. Um, And so it's funny listening to them, but there is a woman who got caught up in it. And she explained at one point something very dark happened and her natural instinct was to pray. And she, that's how she found Christ. But she was like, she, it, it's it was something that terrified her. And she was reaching out to Christ like he was her, like, um, her father, her savior, and and she knew it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was after that moment that she was like oh, a it, There's something real. In See, this. there are <laughs> moments like
1: that to where I believe that Revelation one twenty verse that the creation is has made God's attributes clear. And I can't prove that on an academic paper, but it know, sure
0: sounded like <laughs> to me an exegorist got there. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like he got there.
1: Yeah yeah and so i and i think that if you ponder it enough i think a lot of the times what happens is we suppress it or we haven't thought about it enough i'm telling you i wrestled with this in the marine corps and uh while playing baseball about the concept of atheism that we live in a closed system and first it's absurd but second it's extremely terrifying all right but the first part is is what convinced me the most is how absurd the notion is that whenever you think about even the molecular makeup of the smallest of organisms that that came by accident and you can't really explain that through evolution even that from the very creation of life you have this highly complex thing and this is something that's microbiology this is not talking about human beings here people talk about like the irreducible complexity of these atoms that are making up this organism and this organism has i don't know how many of these atoms and so whenever you think about that it's like okay but and we're saying that that thing right there that's not even human beings came from something that was random and thoughtless and that we have this force behind it called quote evolution that we can't really explain anything about it that just popped up it's like that's a religion right there that's something that it's it's a famous saying by geisler and this other guy, I forget his name, Frank Turek, that I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. Whenever I like was reading about that, I was like, okay, I really don't have enough faith to say that that all came by accident. And so your guy that you're talking about, I think he had that same conclusion. Like, wait a second, if you really think about creation here, then what we're talking about is something that was organized <laughs> yeah. and if it's organized mm-hmm. it was designed
0: yeah,
1: be, right yeah they couldn't figure out. it out and so the way you figure that out is say well we have a creator like that's what happened
0: and i want to tell you something i laugh because people try to say well uh, you know a little bit later not uh, uh, aristotle came later closer to 300 290 he was in that era he came very close to what what some people would say was evolution. He took he took animals and he put them in order from the most uncomplex to the most complex. Mm-hmm. And someone says, "Well, he never. He, how come he didn't see evolution? Was he didn't he didn't see evolution? He didn't think it was possible that this one could mm-hmm. become this one. He didn't. He he rejected that. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying?" Yeah. And and it's 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 just interesting to see that these very smart guys were struggling with all of this, mm-hmm. Jim. Mm-hmm. It's 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 scary almost in a way to me. Yeah, these yeah. So are, are concerning like this. But um, the the reason I got to go on him, r- reading about him, was because of a different reason. I, I guess you know Pericles, right? I'm getting. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, now I'm,
1: you're <laughs> getting me. <though. laughs> I'm getting uh, to the real
0: peak. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, Pericles tr- studied philosophy under Anaxagoras. Okay. okay. And then when when Pericles started becoming too politically powerful, they went after Anaxagoras to get to Pericles, and the, and then Pericles didn't protect him, which to me I that's a very difficult thing. But that's how I got started on him. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, well, what's this guy teaching? Why, why? So I got I left that area and said, let's go see what. And I and I I, I you know you can go like I think it was Stanford had a really good article on what he believed, and then. And then it got guided you towards where he, what he wrote. And Jim, about 15 pages, the rest of us written about him. Mm-hmm. You can read everything he wrote that we have in 10 minutes. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that is an interesting thing. He, again, he's, he never claims to be first, but he probably was first in Greece. But he realized that, and this is in his writings, the sun is putting out its own light but the moon's not.
3: <laughs> I'm telling you,
0: <laughs> the moon's not putting out itself. all.
3: Crazy, yeah.
0: And he you goes, know, I'm telling you, when the earth lined up with the moon and the sun, it caused the shadow. It, he figured out what an eclipse was in, in 467.
2: And now we have the Bonnie Tyler song.
0: It wasn't a total eclipse, though. So.
2: Yeah, of the heart. <laughs> it
0: wasn't a total eclipse. Oh,
2: okay. But
0: the point I make it is, is, it was just funny to see this, but here was the what, real funny thing, he's not a prophet. Because he thought it was a flat earth held up by this big puffy air, because that's what was explaining in volcanoes.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: There's just a lot of hot air in this yeah. big ball. It
0: was a big thing. Oh, no, yeah, a big flat big, thing. A, a, big, a big mattress.
2: Interesting. <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah
1: that so was he wasn't
0: a prophet. He mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> was well, not a prophet. <laughs> not at all times, at least. Yeah. I laughed when I was
0: uh, sitting He missed on that one.
2: So yeah. are these new definitions of prophecy, they're basically just saying prophecy is evangelization? Is that kind of what it is? It's,
1: well, not necessarily going out and evangelizing. So evangelizing is bringing people into the church. Mm-hmm. And prophecy is bringing people
3: up.
0: That's what I would say. Up.
1: There we go. That's a good definition that people use today is bringing, lifting, building people up. Yep.
2: Building them up like, oh, you're doing a good job. But we have, a,
1: we have a gift. In Christ. We already right. have a name of a gift for that, and that's the gift of encouraging.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so
1: there are people who do that. I do believe that they have a gift. There are some powerful motivators out there, and I think that it actually- David
2: Goggins.
1: Does, it does a disservice to say that they have a gift of prophecy. No, you have, a, you have a more specific gift than that, and it's good that you acknowledge it. You're a great encourager. And so that could actually get them to do what it is that they're doing rather than I, I think a lot of the times prophecy is used to puff people up, actually. And so, yeah, I'm more important than this person because I prophesy. And that was actually each, something. Usually this against.
0: group quotes the Bible, usually. So it's command my soul awake arise, use each breath to prophesy. That's the exact line. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're saying they're doing there.
2: That's, that's tough. Could you imagine just God speaking through all of us all the time?
0: That, right. I mean, we can't go I mean. with the old. Definition of prophecy mm-hmm. be that. There
2: was no well, there could
1: in. be a desire for that to happen. It's just it hasn't happened. So I wouldn't mind that. Like, hey, God, do you mind just speaking through me because I'm an idiot? But
2: that's not God's will.
1: Yeah, I know. But yeah. you could ask Him. You know, it's also not God's will right now, currently, that we see Him face to face. We'll but, die. Yeah. But, but wait, wait. we're told to seek his face always.
2: What I'm saying is like I like that
1: part of your paper, by the
2: way. I'm sorry, I, no, I, I, ca- I tried to cut into that. It's, but Yeah, what what I'm saying is that whenever we're supposed to be using every breath to prophesy, I mean, like that that wouldn't be God's will. Period. Though, where He wants us to have free will and to be I'm able make, to use our own will. I'm going to make a
0: guess, a very strong guess
2: that it's not
0: that's in there. That that's in there. That that's a that's a Bible verse. Because mm-hmm. I, I, if you ask me, this group, which is very popular, I can't remember the name of it, Melissa uh, something. Anyway, she's a great hippie chick.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: She's definitely a hippie chick. Mm-hmm. She, you can tell she's from California. She's getting older. She's still a good hippie chick. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, if, if you ask me, they just go and they, they they find really cool verses and they put them into lyrics. That's all in, the, in the mm-hmm. music.
2: Without context. I think this is question. where yes, yes, Sarah, yes. Yes,
0: I will, I will say that. I'm, it's, it's very similar to what we saw in, in, the, in the Jesus Revolution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, you'll see that
1: I'm even affected by it in our culture to say uh, we were told X. I just said that just now, that we were told to seek God's face always. That's not true. Psalms 105 says seek God's face always.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Psalms 105 is not speaking to me okay psalms 105 is written for me it's not written to me it's written to a specific audience and i think that's where i like dispensationalists is they make that clarification like you need to know the audience and i think a lot of covenantalists do it too but dispensationalists are more adamant about that like know the audience know who the writers are writing to and know what the purpose of this text is for and so whenever i say seek his face always that doesn't necessarily mean that that was written to you and me, but we can maybe extract from that, that that is a universal principle that we can apply to our lives, that we want to seek his face always, right? So- Can't but, imagine you not wanting to. Right. Well, the the whenever you read a text like that though, and you read other parts of the Bible saying that man, man can't see me face to face without dying, then oh, that right. seems like a very interesting face command to, to seek though. his face- Always. Yeah. But whenever we're talking about, I talked about this in the forms of revelation that we have right now, that there have been no forms of revelation given to us by God to where we have seen him in all his glory. He's always kind of. No, forms. forms not
0: right, five sentences, it would kill
1: I like
2: Yeah, that. that would not be a good
1: so, sign So you come up with these theories, and it's very interesting. A lot of these theories are good. You did. You don't have the evidence to back them up, but you know that they're there. <laughs> you know that these theories are yeah, right. And and <laughs> and the more that I study, I'm like, okay, the five senses thing is making more and more sense. That God condescends Himself to show us to to reveal Himself to us with our five senses, but for us to see Him fully, we're going to have to have another. We're going to have to have another sense. That would be, have have that'd be a lie. We, yeah. we can't take it right now. <laughs> as far as who we are.
3: it'll
0: be like those robots seeing um seeing um oh what's the guy the guy that goes back he's a hippie goes back goes Mm -hmm. forward in time yeah austin powers the hippie yeah
3: right Uh they see him undressing
0: and explode
3: yes that's it (laughs) that's it so but, but maybe
1: i would tweak your theory a little bit maybe it's because we have a sixth sense that we're not able to see god fully and i would call that the curse because Adam and Eve were there. That would, with
0: I would call that a veil.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you, you could call it that. But uh, because because All right, he's here, he's out.
0: present. Yeah. We're not seeing it.
2: We can't. Yeah.
0: How are we going to see mm, it
1: eventually? No. Uh, so we're I'm not seeing it in full. I'm trying. To, yeah, I'm trying to think about how to have this conversation because yeah, that is something. So we acknowledge that God's present, but in what sense? Like yeah, as far as yeah, um, because like he's not he's not going to just show up. And like you Mm -hmm. said, we all explode like those girls with Austin Powers do. And so that's not what he wants to do. But I think that there's a limitation, not because he can't do it. He can do it. He can do all things. It's just that that he is choosing to do what he's doing.
2: Yeah. there's like Mm -hmm. He's keeping that veil.
1: Yes. All right. So can I change the subject or we got?
0: No, go ahead. All right. Because Doc had what appears to be an aha moment because I recalled something from the preaching of my childhood. We've had several. Discussions, and I did want to talk about this. Which just you and Sarah would have been nice. Doc would have been, been fun to have Doc here. But we've we, we we've had a lot of discussions with Chris and with um, um, what's his name? Gosh, Minton. Oh,
2: Glenn?
3: Bill Mills.
0: Mills. Bill Gosh, oh, Bill. I, I was like, little... wow,
2: that's hey, crazy. I can't
0: name. Bill Mills. We've had these discussions about prosperity theology, mm-hmm. and we've tried to to say it's just unrealistic. Say that everybody who prays for that should become wealthy because we'd all be wealthy and mean and there'd still be various levels of wealth, whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But but that sometimes you're you don't have a lot of stuff. Sometimes you do. Well, the guy that I grew up listening to as a kid, RB thing, DTS graduate, he called it logistical grace. And I don't know if you ever heard that term before. But what he says <laughs> logistical grace is, is whatever purpose God has in store for you, He will handle taking care of whatever you need to accomplish the purpose He has for you, mm-hmm. and it's logistical, and so it's not it's not this wealth or poverty or anything like that it's what do you need to accomplish the purpose He has for you today mm-hmm. He'll provide that's what he called it. but what do you think of that? Doc like mm-hmm.
1: yeah, I think that if you were going to make me Argue a uh, side. I think that would take that. That seems fair enough.
0: I, I was just wondering if you liked the the description, the term he uses mm-hmm. for that. I did. I I, I look. I, I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. I knew all along. I was thinking that. Yeah. I was thinking, well, you know, today I, I might not have enough money tomorrow to eat, but today I do. That's mm-hmm. logistical grace. I'm wealthy because mm-hmm. there's people out there that don't. Right. And maybe tomorrow I don't have it. Because you remember in in, in in The Chosen one time, I said, well, you know, I we'll haven't eaten for several days. Mm. Well, it didn't happen. <laughs> but I'm still alive. Mm.
2: Yeah, you still, have the, you still have the grace to be there at
0: mm. that point. Right, right. <laughs> well, anyway, so I've always looked at it like, well, as long as I'm alive, I'm immortal if God has a purpose for me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm immortal because God has a purpose for me, then whatever that purpose is, well, he'll provide what I need to accomplish that purpose. And so then...
1: Then re- I remembered that term, logistical grace. I went, mm-hmm. that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Paul seemed to be immortal for a time.
3: <laughs>
1: Most people would have died. <laughs> yeah. Whenever he lists his abuses and shipwrecks and whatever else happened to him, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. So the I combi-
0: were definitely trying to get him.
2: <laughs> it is funny <laughs> to show God's power in that kind of way, though. Mm. It's like, yeah, you can... You can go after somebody as much as you want, but if God wants them there and to continue, then that, mm-hmm. that's not going to stop them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have a problem with the whole wealth, the prosperity and wealth gospel. Yeah, I, I, I do. Yeah. And so, um, and I don't know. I still have trouble. Like, I understand Chris's definition, right? I'm trying to be fair to him. I know that his definition is more than enough. More than enough. And I can handle that. But I would say that God's grace is more than enough always. Yeah. That that would be one thing where I'd say I'm in full agreement with you all the time. God's grace is more than enough.
0: So Yeah. Another thing team would say, what's the most he could do for you? Uh, Salvation. (laughs) So everything else is more than the most. (laughs)
1: most. (laughs) That's true. And so um, I just don't see it as God's going to lift you up out of a certain material condition. All right. It doesn't mean that I think you should stay there and not even Paul says that. But at the same time, you should not necessarily, in my opinion, expect to be risen out of a particular state simply because you're Christian. There might be a reason that you're there and there might be something that happens if you were to get out of that position that you all of a sudden become prideful or something like that. So,
3: yeah, uh, uh, there
0: is testing, I believe, that comes there's testing where you have troubles. And then there's testing where you have prosperity mm-hmm. and that prosperity testing probably gets
1: failed as much know. or more than yeah the, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, there's just, there are various problems that, like I said, I have with the material wealth and prosperity that I just don't find it tenable to be able to hold that theory. If you take the Bible as a whole, there are verses. Don't get me wrong. If you take verses by themselves, like the ask anything you desire and you'll receive, then you could hold to prosperity gospel. That's not the entire Bible as a whole. Mm-hmm. And i
0: tell you what he's struggling with. Yeah. He's told me this, that is that what he doesn't like is to hear people say that it's holy to be poor.
1: Right. Yeah. And that would be like saying it's holy to be a slave. And Paul said, if you find yourself a slave and you can get out of it, then by all means get out of it. But if whatever status you find yourself in, Continue in that status.
2: I think what you were supposed to be doing, obviously, is seeking God's will. Mm-hmm. And and part of that is molding us, like uh, allowing God to mold us into his will. And he puts us through different tests. And um, but whenever I say test, too, I really don't mean like test as in can you pass or fail. It's really um a way of getting you through something and you you come out different and so it's more of a course maybe
1: yeah that might be yeah that might be better yeah
2: (laughs) it's like we're going i'm going through some training right now it's a
1: sanctification process
2: yes well for everything except for humans
0: stress makes things weaker Mm -hmm. but stress
2: for us if
0: we deal with stress it makes it stronger exactly Mm -hmm. and so there's no question we need stress well it's the same with the ship
1: right Like because I've heard that analogy used before that a ship, uh, whenever it becomes sea hardened, is actually stronger than when it was in the beginning. But the
0: stress eventually will get to it. Yeah, Yeah.
1: got it. Yeah,
0: which of course it does, humans.
1: (laughs) We eventually die.
2: But I think as, as far as um as far as that goes, as long as you're praying and truly with your heart feeling I want to be doing God's will, I think that the prosperity is for sure granted in the end. Mm-hmm. That's what we're. That's what I think that the the actual goal is. And it's funny to think about it because I remember um, I can't remember if I was like I can't remember where this was at, but people were talking about our castles in heaven and what they would be like and something like that. I can't remember. I just
3: want a hammock. I now. wish
2: I was where. Like, I, I wish I could remember where I was hearing this because people were talking about what their castles would be. And it's like, we're not going to care. We're in the presence of God, the actual presence of God. And that is going to be so overwhelmingly powerful that, I, like, it's funny because you can see that materialism is still attached to people whenever they think about um, what we're going to have after death in heaven. And that's, like, we're going to be purged from all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, well, part of me thinks that there is a longing for that, though. And th- the reason that I think that's because of the, the beginning of the Bible and the end of the Bible. I've talked about this on here before is how people think about heaven as a faraway place and that it's a entirely different. Um,
2: realm, yeah. Yeah,
1: realm that that is somehow going to be very distant from earth. And I hold firm to the belief right now that it's going to be a new heaven and earth. It's going to be this, but it's going to be like a glorified body. It's going yeah. to be a glorified universe. And we're going to be here. We're going to be physical beings walking around. We we might have an added sense or a sense taken away, however you want to Yeah, oh, by the way, mm
0: -hmm. I let it go because I want to interrupt. Yeah. You said I didn't have any authority for it. For saying that? Yeah. Oh, yes, I do. No, I know you do. Emmanuel cotton Bergson.
3: Oh. All
1: right. So... (laughs) So... Um, I'm in agreement with you there that there's going to be something that transforms us into greater beings and also transforms the universe into a greater universe but we're going to be here <laughs> We're going to be here on earth all right I think that I believe that and that there's going to be a new heaven a new earth we're going to be dwelling in the presence of God and as Sarah says that's going to be our greatest gift is being able to see God fully face to face. that's what we really desire but we also have something that's inherently in us that we want the universe to be the way that it was in Eden and that yeah, that's I mean, going to be promised to us. That is something that's that promised promise. to us. That's going to take place in the end times where we're going to have a universe that's much better than anything we could ever mean Your
0: mom and I are yes. going to be running around naked. I
1: think that we're going to have the material possessions that we all want, but that's not the, like Sarah says, that's not the ultimate goal. That would suck if that's all we got.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: All right. We're going to have something much more powerful, which is being able to walk around with the creator.
2: Yeah, and, and I think you have a a a better perspective of what those material mm-hmm. ob- objects are and like how we're supposed to be mm-hmm. interacting with. Yeah,
1: them. yeah, it's it's God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems like the most awesome theme park ever.
2: I think it's, for me. I think I think that's also what people get wrong about work and uh and rest mm-hmm. is that work isn't wasn't designed to be the work that we're doing on Earth. Like mm-hmm. we're not supposed to be. Uh, toiling as we are, that was a, that was part of the curse of um, the original sin and the fall. But uh, God set up Adam to work mm-hmm. the garden, yeah. and it was it was again like a gift of life. And um, and so I think it's funny whenever people basically talk about heaven too, is like I'm just gonna go sit in my castle and chill all day. Mm-hmm. It's like no, like yeah, it's it's I love going out to the garden and getting actual tough work done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, and then you go back inside after a, a long day and you're able to relax, um, in, in certain ways. But, um, again, I, it, mm-hmm. you know, just look forward to you.
1: it. So, so the way that I heard it described, and this is the Randy Alcorn book that Emily mm-hmm. gave me, which I love, and it's not nearly as academic, but it points you to academic sources that you can go read for yourself mm-hmm. on this issue. But the idea is that you'll have, let's say, foot races without the thorns and thistles of jealousy. Ah, uh, yeah, and so you'll yeah. have that. You'll have that good competitive yeah. spirit.
0: Who's number one hating. in the class in Latin?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> see, exactly. You won't have that. Then the, <laughs> so the thorns and thistles are part of the curse, not the work. Mm-hmm. All right, the work was always there. Now you'll have thorns and thistles because of the curse. And mm-hmm. so those thorns and thistles include all sorts of things. And I love how Timothy Keller goes in this with uh, I forget what his book is uh, called. As a red book that he has, but it's, it, I think people should get it um because it talks about man's nature and how he should be in his work and one of the things is, is that people often look at work as a curse and that's not the curse the curse is uh, oftentimes you you start being jealous and you start wanting to go home and you start playing at work rather than working at work and you're the one that's causing problems or it might be someone else but never look at it as work itself is inherently evil
2: yeah Exactly. But I think that as far as like the prosperity and stuff goes for like on earth, I don't think you can look at anybody's position ever and say, well, first of all, like, I don't think that again, I don't think being poor in itself is a good. And I don't think being rich in itself shows that God's blessing you. I think that, uh, you should be striving to do God's will and be closer to him. And he will know what position you need to be in. Like, as long as that's what you're yearning for to bring you closest to him, like mother Teresa did a great job, not having anything and giving away all the stuff that she did. And that brought her closer to God. But, uh, there, there's a woman that I know, I don't want to name drop here, but she, she's has, she's very wealthy in Ruston, And I know, the types of philanthropy she does just out of the pure goodness of her heart. And you can tell like it's a, uh, it's a blessing that she has that extra wealth. Mm-hmm. And so I think that um, God finds our way to. It
0: is that. true. And some people sure handle it well.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly.
0: Uh, and I, I want to wrap up this couple of things. The communism thing. I didn't finish this thought. One of the reasons I believe that it is demonic is I don't think you can be, be defeated without prayer. I believe, I believe it's forces.
2: Oh, wait, even Fatima talks about that—that—that that, uh, that Marian apparition. Do you mm-hmm. know anything about that, Jim?
1: Yeah, we could talk about that one these days.
2: Too. Yeah, we we we've had we talked about it before, but it specifically at like, talks about communism. It's these these shepherd children from Portugal who predicted the rise of Russia before World War One ended, and it's very specific. Yeah, and it, and it was there was a big concern about communism. And it's funny because the, the whole premise was y'all, people need to be turning to God right now because um, Russia is about to turn into an animal.
0: When I wake up in the morning, I always reach over and touch your mom on the head and thank God she's there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't take that for granted. Not even one night I mm-hmm. wake up because women go crazy and they leave or they die.
3: Yeah.
0: And I grab her head and I thank God that she's there and she's alive and well. Then I thank God for that comfortable bed and pillow mm-hmm. that I slept on the night before. And as of yesterday, I pray that he defeats communism in our lifetime. There Excellent.
2: I like that. That's Good my job. third
0: prayer every We're doing now. the uh um... I, I, I really do believe it. It's occurred to me that the Catholics have it right. It's evil, personified. I really do. Now, with that said, I don't want to end a Christmas special that way. I want to say this that one of the things that Emily has brought to our family, whether I think it's Emily brought it, we read Luke mm-hmm. now as part of our Christmas, and I want to do it after presents, after we open presents from now on mm-hmm. yep. to bring us back. You did it today, and I went, my goodness, because here's what happened. We went to church this morning, a beautiful mass, whether you like Catholics or not, they have a beautiful mass. Mm-hmm. It's congregational-type singing. It's traditional-type singing. It's very... Solemn structured structure, but it's but it's solemn and it's you know, reminding you of what we're here for. Then we went home, opened presents. The children uh, OD'd on present opening
2: yep. mm-hmm. and yeah. candy.
0: And then you did Luke and it was right back. We got it back. It's like a sandwich. And I, yeah. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I think that you should. What is it? Luke what?
1: Luke 2, 1 through 20.
2: Yeah. So, so if you, you
0: haven't done that today, do it. Yeah.
1: Stop at circumcision. That's the.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah,
0: I wish they to stop But you know, one of the things we didn't discuss there, and I'm gonna let you finish. It.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Would the would the prophecy that PJ's coffee oh, will always make things better?
2: I guess I'm. Is, gonna be, is that
0: a prophecy? Yeah.
2: So so as a stand-in for Glenn Cox today, <laughs> I do want to confirm that um you know the Catholic Church. I've gone through a lot of their teachings. And PJ's Coffee is inevitably in all the writings about prophecies. It's
0: unwritten, but it's there. Yes. Exactly. You can read it. You can see it. <laughs>
2: but, well, that'd be well, a revelation. The one in Halston, right? Oh, oh, hot, hot too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was specifically Houghton. <laughs> yeah. Where you can go get uh, some kind of natural um, energy drink.
1: All natural Red Bull.
2: Yes. Propheters. All natural Red Bull. And, and warm coffee. And it's an excellent place to read Luke
1: to read really and prophesy. And the internet's prophesy. perfect there.
2: Yeah, excellent <laughs> internet. So uh, all so of the good. gifts, all of the gifts that we we're hoping to find in uh, Christ's kingdom that has been promised to us.
0: All right. Well we'll be back tomorrow with the podcast. <laughs>
2: Not <last of> us. <laughs> <No>. Okay. <laughs>
0: Glenn we'll Glenn will be back tomorrow and we appreciate we you listeners and at least listen,
3: our listeners and have a Merry Christmas. Yes. All right, bye. Bye bye. <laughs>